it's so fun when I do that because I realize half the crowd has no clue why I did that, and the other half said, well, of course. You've got to be in the center of the aisle. Well, I have to confess to you, as I was getting ready for the sermon today and thinking about the chaos up here, I was a little resentful of the children's program interfering with Sunday morning Christmas worship. And then in the midst of that, I thought, how perfect. Because, you know, the truth is the real Christmas didn't happen when God said, okay, everybody stop everything, I'm coming to earth. It was in the midst of chaos. People were going about their business, commerce was happening, everything was going on. And I think sometimes we forget that. We hear that Old Testament scripture, be still and know that I'm God. And out of that, we sort of build this image that if you want God to show up, you need to be still. And with that, if you're not quiet, he doesn't show up. It's that second conclusion that's wrong. God does say, be still. You know, sort of focus. But that, he doesn't need that to show up. And all was going on in the first century, and everybody's work, and everybody we looked at last week were all doing their thing, and God says, great, I'm jumping right into the middle of this. Into all the chaos, into all the busyness, I'm showing up, which is a great comfort for all of us, or should be. We don't have to be still for God to show up. In fact, we may be in a very chaotic situation in our own lives, That doesn't hold God back. He is quite willing to jump right into the middle of that, just as he did when he came to earth. And in some ways, I think God was just saying, isn't this awesome? This is how I created my children with the ability to plan and create and organize and do things, and I'm watching all this happening, and that's just what I wanted this world to be like. It's how I created my children with all these potentials, And I'm going to come right into the middle of it. It didn't hold him back at all. And it doesn't hold him back today. So last week we began looking at all of this. And we looked at all the characters. And I listed them again. I just reprinted them in the notes. All the different people that were involved in God's Christmas story. Such a diverse group if we look at all of them. And I think it is an amazing snapshot of how and who God is quite willing to use and work with. Because you have every social strata, you have every kind of person involved in that Christmas story. You have the very wealthy and the poor. You have the very spiritual, and you have those who are evil. You even have pagans. And the whole cast never was together. Friday night, they had two dress rehearsals for this play. Everybody needed to be here. I realized in looking this week, these cast of characters were never in the same place. In fact, most of them never even met each other. God was doing something over here, and he was doing something else over here. Mary and Joseph were probably the only common people who met them all. But God was working in all those diverse places, those diverse people. And as we saw last week, when everything was just right, Galatians 4.4, when the time was perfect and all the people 
and places and spiritual things in place. He said, now, now is the time I'm coming to earth. Well, in this middle sermon, we're really in the middle of the process. And what I want you to see is God began moving. I use the image of a chess master this week. He begins moving his pieces in his grand strategy. He is this brilliant chess master. And he knows exactly what he's doing, even though somebody else observing the game may have no clue. I played a cousin in chess once, and I'm in no way a good chess player. I had no clue what he was doing until in four or five moves I was in checkmate. But he knew the whole time exactly what he was doing, and whatever I did, he moved. And he had a strategy the whole time, and that's exactly what God was doing. Nobody saw that strategy, and as we're going to see today, as God begins to reveal his plans to all of these different characters, he never gave any of them the whole plan. Not even Mary, not Joseph. He doesn't lay it all out, he gives them part of it. And basically what he's saying, I have that grand strategy, trust me. I know what I'm doing, I know the right time, this is all working out. But he never said, I'll tell you the whole plan. And here's what struck me. If God tells us the whole plan, then we start to put our faith in the plan. If I don't know the whole plan, I have to keep my faith in the maker of the plan, the God who is executing the plan. And that's what everyone, even Mary, Joseph, everybody, They had to keep their faith in the God who was moving all of this, not in, oh God, this is an awesome plan, I trust your plan. They had to say, I trust you, God. And so he begins moving some people around and doing some things. And the first move, as far as we can tell, is Zachariah and Elizabeth. This retired couple who announced, guess what, we're pregnant. You talk about surprise pregnancies, I think theirs is one of the top in human history. They were childless, had always prayed and had given up. And Zechariah goes into the temple. If you've read the story, the reference is in there. And God appears to him while he's into the temple behind the Holy of Holies, in the curtain. God says, you're going to have a baby There's a little humor in this because Zechariah makes the mistake of laughing at God. And that's a bad thing to do. I, you know, pick something up from the sermon, don't laugh at God. And so God says, well, I'll show you. And I think there's just some great irony in this. He gives Zechariah the best good news of his life. And then he says, since you're laughing at me, you can't tell anybody. You can't explain it for nine months. So Zechariah's got to sit on it, what he knows, And obviously, uh, Elizabeth becomes pregnant, and so that news is out, but the explanation has to wait. But God starts moving in this elderly couple, and he doesn't tell them the whole story. He says, your son is going to be this great prophet. Your son is going to announce the Messiah. But if you think about it, that still leaves all kinds of questions. What Messiah? How's the Messiah showing up? When is the Messiah coming? How's this all going to work out, God? He says, well, I'm not telling you that. 
You have a piece to play. You're not too old for me. No situation is hopeless. You were convinced you'd never have a child. Not with me. No situation is hopeless. And I'll tell you what you need to know. And I need you to do that in faith. I'll take care of the rest of the plan. And so something starts happening in this village with Zachariah and Elizabeth. And they start raising, a, or she's pregnant, going to have a baby. But the biggest news is obviously happening over here. Grab your Bibles, because we've got to go over to Mary and Joseph. Thank you. And they're over here. We talked about them last night, last week. Young couple. Mary, just ready to be married. Her folks arrange a marriage. She's looking at a fun life ahead of her. Joseph has a trade. They should be comfortable, have income, have food, etc. And then her whole life gets changed because God starts moving in her life. We had a great discussion in Sunday school this morning about what was it that God made him pick Mary? This girl in this little backwoods village what was it about her? We don't know, other than that she had a very godly character. But let's read this part of the Christmas story. It's in Luke 1, is the section I want to read. Oh, sorry. The slides aren't up there. It's Luke 1, 25. Brad, can you advance that? In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. This is one of my favorite moments in this moment. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting that might be. She wondered, what's this mean for me? But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you, will be, you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? I'm not married. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, her relative, is going, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who has said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Mary thought she had all of her plans in place for her life. I think she was looking forward to that life. And God came and said, Mary, guess what? Change of plans. And those were big changes of plans. We, we talk about it a lot, but... Mary was a young girl who had to go home to her parents as a young teenager and say, guess what, I'm pregnant. And I'm pregnant by God. And there's not a parent in the room who would have bought into that when they heard that from their daughter. 
And somehow she had to deal with that. Her husband, her, her fiancé didn't believe it because God has to deal with Joseph too. Mary's chans were, cha- plans were totally changed. The angel basically shows up and says, Mary, God wants to use you. That makes her nervous. Because there's all kinds of situations in the Old Testament where God using somebody isn't always fun. And so Mary is rightfully a little apprehensive. But what Mary says in the end is so critical. She says, God, I trust you. However you want to use me, you have my agreement, my cooperation. It's not what I expected. It's not what I had planned. It's not my way. But whatever you do, I'll trust you. And she agrees to that. But God has to deal with the other one up here, and that's Joseph. Now, we read that Joseph was a good guy. He didn't want to get Mary punished, but she was pregnant, and he knew it wasn't by him. And so he's not going to marry her. He is an honorable man, and in his eyes, she's been unfaithful. There's nothing Joseph does in that process that's wrong, except he assumes who the father is, that it's another human. And that's where God sends him an angel to. And says to Joseph, Joseph, I need you to trust me. Take her anyway. Because that child is from God. There's a thing that Joseph had to decide right then. Because this is a small village. Nazareth was, in Sunday school I joked, it was now then Minnesota. This was a little backwoods village. Everybody knew everybody's business. Guaranteed. And I think we can be pretty confident Mary's pregnancy was the talk of the town. And so for Joseph to put her away, everybody would have assumed that. When he didn't. But what Joseph was doing is saying, I don't care what people think. I don't care what people talk about. God, I want to do what you want. I care what you think. And Joseph put God's plans above what everybody would think. And what everybody would say. And that's a great challenge and a lesson for us. And so these two begin a journey. Mary's pregnant. Joseph is going to be the father and raise this child that is the son of God, which had to be intimidating to think about. There's one other thing that, and I don't know where you put this in your chronology. I like the Magi to show up at the stable. And I understand they probably came later, but just leave me alone. I like Christmas that way. So at some point, at some point, these guys who are studying the stars all the time, and I would have loved to have been, I love how in the movie The Nativity, it it starts to show up. They start noticing some things. Now, there's always things going on in the heavens with the stars and the planets. It's just suddenly, well, wait a minute, I saw this last week. Now, now, and look how that's moving. And they start calling each, over, each other over and saying, are you seeing this? Am I missing this? What is going on here? And, and somewhere, they don't have it all figured out yet. But they're starting to notice something. And some things are coming together. And clearly we know based on the questions they ask when they show up in Jerusalem, they start not just watching the heavens, they start doing research. 
What can we read? What's been written that might explain what we're seeing in the heavens? There wasn't a sign up there that said, Son of God born in Bethlehem. They had to see these stars moving, and then they were out researching and reading. What do you think? What's going on? And isn't that how God works for so much of us and so much of life? He doesn't show us the final plan. We start seeing things. And more things happen. And we, we talk to people, we pray, we ask, and oh. And we're trying to figure out what God is doing. Now it comes clear in the end, but so much of life, we're in the midst of that process, aren't we? We're seeing some things. We're trying to read some things, talk to people, figure out what does this mean, what's God doing. But in this middle week of this sermon series, we're still sort of in the middle of all this. Because there's other people who are still oblivious to anything going on. They don't know God's moving. you got Simeon and Anna who are just coming to the temple, and they're praying. you got Herod, he's still just busy being a paranoid nutcase. you got the innkeeper who's just busy working in the inn. you got the shepherds who are out just in the fields. Some people know what's happening, but not everybody. And nobody sees everything. Even if you listen to what the angel said to Mary, he didn't give her all of God's plan. He just said, you're going to have a baby, and this baby is going to be the Messiah. What's that mean? What will that mean growing up? I'll guarantee you Mary never would have dreamed it would include a cross. It would have never dreamed that he would just be an ordinary guy who didn't run the temple or suddenly become king. He was just an itinerant traveling rabbi walking around the country talking. That wasn't her picture of the Messiah. That scripture that Paul referenced that I used last week, God's ways are not our ways. And to me, this Christmas, as I keep trying to look at all these different characters and how God moves, we just see that again and again. He is moving. And I don't know where you're at today, but all of us reach points in life where we feel like God is silent because we don't see him moving. Not right now, not this week, or not in the ways I ask him to move. And those are hard places to be. I've been there, you may be there today. It's a tough place to be. But what I want you to hear from this Christmas story is, don't ever make the conclusion he's not moving. The grand chess master, our God, is aware watching he does love you and he does have a strategy you may not see it and he may even if he explains something to you to you it may only be one piece go do this wait here trust him he's moving and if you're still one of these people where he you think he's silent trust him now he asks all of these people to do a couple things. He asked them to believe in him. Have faith in me, not my plan, me. 
as the God who is moving all of this. And he asked them to be open. I'm not going to do what you think. I'm not going to do it your way. So you need to be open to me having a different plan. You've had your whole life focused this way. I may say, hey, guess what? I need you to go over here. You've assumed this and God says, no, no. I have another idea. Be open to that. God will surprise you. And the last thing they all needed to do was be obedient. When he asked them to do something, to do it. And to trust him. That's how they did it. It wasn't, and and this is my personality maybe, maybe some of you can identify. I want to know the whole plan. I am a planner, I am an organizer, I am left brain. I want to know the whole plan. Are there five steps? Okay, tell me all five. And when I know all five steps and it makes sense to me, then I'm your man. I will do that plan with you. I promise God's not that way. He says, Jim, here's step one. I'm not even going to tell you how many steps there are. I'm not going to tell you when they're going to come. And I'm not even going to do it all through you. Somebody else is doing step three. Don't worry about it. They'll be there. I've got it covered. And somebody else is going to do step five, and I'll tell you when that's ready. You're not going to be involved in that one, but I need you to do step one. That's how he did Christmas. Now, you've got to remind yourself, when it's all over, Christmas Eve night, we're all going to say, God, awesome plan. And by faith, that's what we believe God will do in each of our lives. And when it's over, if we walk with him, if we listen, if we're open, if we do what he asks us to do and trust him for the rest, we're going to say, God, way to go. Awesome plan. Because that's the kind of God he is. And that's how much he loves you. You see, that's why we still had communion every week. Because if you're in the midst of that unknown plan and you're saying, I don't know, God says, you can trust me. I died for you. I'm going to have a good plan for your life. And that's why we can rest in him and obey and trust him for the rest. He knows what he's doing. He proved that at Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you for how you chose to come to earth. We would never have written your script, not the way you did. But what you did is so much better, beyond, over the top, than what we would have planned. And you're that same kind of God in our lives. I'm sure there's some people even today in this room who are thinking you're silent. You're not doing anything. You've abandoned them and you haven't. May you be able to reassure them through this worship service and what we've talked about. Reassure them that you love them and that you are working. You will be with them. You haven't forgotten them. May they find hope and joy, and comfort, and peace in what you have done at Christmas. In the name of that baby, Jesus, we can pray. Amen.